Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Roots and Branches podcast here at New Life. We are in episode number 17, and we're going to be talking some more transformational outcomes today. We got a guest with us. I got Stephen Jelks here on the other mic. How you doing? I'm well, sir. How yeah, are you? fantastic. Yeah, we're doing great. Um, we've been doing a little series on transformational outcomes, and as we've been walking through some of these different uh, things that we envision people moving from in terms of what kind of idols there are in our culture, things that we really find challenging in life today as we walk in the late modern world, and then what kind of ways is God going to transform and change me as I come in, uh, in spiritual formation, like coming closer to Christ and walking with Him and in His ways. Today, our theme, and we're probably going to end up with a couple episodes on this because we got a lot to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the transformational outcome of my design to God's design, my design to God's design. And what we want to do first is just kind of define what we mean by that. Like when we think about our culture and our moment, the world that we're living in, my design is like, that's one good way to talk about how people operate and think on a daily basis. Like what, what do you think, Stephen, when I first say those words, like our culture is really all about my way, my design. When you, you just said a, a phrase that kind of made me think about a song yeah, about the great theologian Usher <laughs> who came nice. out with a song called My Way. Yeah. And that was really kind of a, a rehashing of an older song that I do believe Frank Sinatra huh. sang. Yeah. It was basically my way. Yep. I'm going to do things my way. I don't care who's listening, who's looking. I don't care about what you have planned. I want to do my life my way. It's like Burger King, the old Burger King slogan, you can have it your way. Yep. Right. Yep. That's essentially what we are finding here in, in, in 2023. Even, I mean, it's, it's not even 2023. It's literally goes all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. 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 Satan. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to have it my way. Yep. I don't like the fact that you're in charge of me. Yeah, yeah. I want to rule. I want to be worshipped. I want to have. Let us make in my image, my image. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. I'm the preeminent one. Well, you know, this like makes me think about some of the development of how we got here. You know, we talk about my design or I want it my way. It's kind of the, mm-hmm. you're just you're the, your illustration there with yep. the songs. Um, we live in a time where we've talked about this before on other episodes of, uh, of, of a meaning coming from within a very, like a world that's driven by expressive individualism mm-hmm. that I, I decide what's true and I get to um, discover that from within, but then I got to assert that out in the world. And there's actually, that's been developing over the course of a long time in history. Like that's, that's actually, it's a new thing. It's a novelty in terms of the scope of history being so radically individualistic. But what it is, is it's taken us from a world where there is uh, objective, um, eternal, sacred truth that has been revealed, which is really like the course of Christian history in in the West, like has been the dominant way of thinking. Today, it's now about radical subjectivity. Mm -hmm. It's about my truth. And yeah, you might have yours, but you know, I can have my own and I get to come up with that. And the way that it it sort of looks, and this is why we use the term my design, 
when you talk about design, you're looking at, okay, well, what's my life going to be? Yep. I get to be the architect of my own life. Yep. I get to decide what I'm going to do and mm-hmm. I get to decide what's meaningful. And that's kind of, so when, it, when I think about my design, this is really what's driving a lot of the culture today. Does that sound familiar and in, in what you're seeing as well? Yeah. So yeah. the thought that I had was there is no new news. Yeah. Yeah. There's old news happening to new people. Yep. And I heard that when I was a teenager and I'm like, well, man, it's that sinful desire of I want it my way. I understand that God has mapped things to be a certain way, but I'm going to do it my way. And yeah. here's how I'm going to express that. Yeah. I'm going to yep. jump on the bandwagon of, okay, you know what? I need to calm down at the end of the day. So I'm going to consume some marijuana. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's okay. It's culturally okay to do that now. Yeah. Right. Because I have a doctor's prescription. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that those, when you say I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to write my own plan, it has its effect on those kinds of things. Yeah. In one's own life. Yep. So where it seems like it's harmless. Yep. Right. But what are we told about things that control our mind? Don't be drunk with much wine. Yep. But be transformed by the spirit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be filled. Yep. Right? That word fill in the original Greek is pleru, means Mm -hmm. to fill to the full extent. So if you're looking at the picture, it's a sail. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a naval term. It's a sail that's being let down and being pushed by the wind. Yeah. So it's not a one-for-one water in a cup. Versus wine in a cup. Mm. It's wine having control over you Mm. versus the spirit having control over you. Yep. Right? So then we kind of switch metaphors a little bit going from architecture to sailing. Yeah. But but that's exactly what it is. is Uh, If you get a set of building plans and you don't build it the way that the architect designed it, yep. he's going to have something to say about it because he's the yeah. one who worked with the client Yep, to design it. That's a great and, way to put and it. And now you're going to start swinging the hammer. Now we're going to move this wall six feet to the left. No, I don't want that there. That's where the fireplace goes. Yeah. You just messed up the design. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's, it brings to mind a scholar, a guy that I've read years ago now named Philip Reef, who was a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He was a uh, sociologist and philosopher and historian. I mean, just like a, br- a real brilliant guy, but he's doing most of his work in the late fifties and early sixties. And he sort of saw some of the seeds of the cultural transformation and the sexual revolution and things that were going to be coming through because he's in the academic world. And they're sort of like laying the groundwork for some of that. As soon as all that happens, I mean, he had said, Hey, I'm kind of warning everybody. If we keep going down the roads intellectually where we're going, the radical individualism sort of severing ourselves from a grander plan or like a, a, a way that things should work, getting rid of what uh, sort of definitions objectively, what's right, what's wrong, you're going to end up with all of this fruit in society. He basically called it. He, mm-hmm. He's like prophetic. He uh, said, hey, this yeah. is what's going to happen. Yeah. Ten years later, late 60s, early 70s, it all happens. And he goes, I told you. And everybody looks at him and is like... Yeah, well, we're not going back now. And they essentially ostracized him in the academy. He stopped publishing. I mean, he's just like doesn't publish anything for 30 years. Uh One of the things that he says is that what he calls, he, he says that we have severed ourselves as a society from what he calls sacred order. Oh. And he said that there is an eternal 
design and ordering that we've just said, hey, we don't need that anymore. We're going to cut ourselves off from it. And what he calls social order, which is just what he means is society, like the, the civic world that we live in socially in a, in a, in a nation. He said that if you cut off your social order, cuts off from the sacred order, that, that, that reality of like our society is going to become self-destructive. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you, as you are just saying, if an architect has a design and then all of a sudden you start messing with uh-huh. that, the architect's going to have a problem You're going to have a huge problem. And so if there's a design of how God made his creation and how he made us as human beings, yep. as image bearers, yep. if we start doing things that go against the design, it's no, it should be no shock that we read the news today and there's epidemics of loneliness, uh-huh. depression, drug use, suicide, alcohol, suicide, oh, the whole, yeah. all the things. So you ask a secular uh, social scientist today, is our society healthy? And almost all of them are going to say no. No. They don't even believe in God. Like they're not even going to do it from a theistic point of view. I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> but they're going to say, they're going to say, yeah, uh, we're pretty sick as a society. Well, I wonder why. Yeah. And so from, so let's go to our, to our theme here is yeah. like the designer. If you recognize there is a design, it means there's a designer. Has to be. <laughs> and if you're going to then make a conscious choice to say, no, I'm a radical, in, radically individualistic like autonomous human mm-hmm. that I get to decide my own architecture for my life. Let's keep doing that metaphor. Okay. You shouldn't be surprised when things don't go well if you go against the design of the designer who made you. You can make things go well if you go against the designer, but they won't go well eternally. Yeah, that's a great point. It might look like it, it in the short run. It might look like it in the short run. Sure. Lots of money. Yes. You got okay. all the things. All right. <laughs> yep. I forget which scripture, and you have to forgive me because I'm I'm not a chapter and verse guy. I'm I admire chapter and verse guys, but I I thoroughly enjoy the narrative because I'm a narrative type person. Yep. Can you tell a story? Essentially, that's what one of mm. the angles mm. that art that I take with architecture, yeah, is the house that you're building should tell a story. Yep. Okay. And one of the guys that I love is his name is Brent Hull. And he built a house. They completed it like three years ago. Yep. But when you look at it, it looked like it's 300 years old. Wow. Because yeah. he understood the architecture of that time and he replicated it to make it look like it was older. And you step on it and, and I have a picture. I'll show you later. Oh, cool. It looks like a 300-year-old house because he understood yep. how they lived back then. Okay. Yep. Yep. For a time, you can build something that is quick and easy and fast, and it will work. Yeah. What scripture does that remind you of? Building a house on the sand? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. That is exactly it. You can put something up real fast. Yep. Right? There's this thing that is called survivor biased. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what happens is... We take a look at certain things that are old that have stood the test of time. That's because they were built well. Yep. There have always been homes that have been built that are terrible. Yep. But they don't survive. Yeah. Yeah. And so the term was born in architecture, survivor bias. So we take a look at those things and we think that they did it better Uh, because it lasted. But really, the old stuff went away. 
Yeah. And yeah. the good stuff lasted. Yeah. And so we now have the ability to look backwards and go, well, they built it this way back then. It was like, yeah. mm, no, no, they had buildings that were not good. Yep. They just burned up or they needed to be torn down. Yep. Right. So one of the things that I have the, um, the great pleasure of doing is going into old homes and recording them. Yeah. And awesome. I make a digital twin of those homes. Wow. And then I make another digital twin where I yep. draw on top of those structures. Huh. And so I'm able to see what I, I just did a house. It was built in 1900. Okay. The yep. original structure yep. was architecturally correct. Everything that was added on to that house was terrible. Oh, wow. They didn't do it right. Yeah, and throughout, throughout the last hundred year, years or whatever. Throughout the so mm -hmm. there was an architectural order that was followed in the early 1900s, simply yeah. because they were taking a look at the way that homes were constructed in ancient Greece, and you had all of these influx of architects that were yep. traveling the world, and they were bringing back these architectural stylings here to the U.S. Yeah. and then they were re replicating those things in what was then their modern architecture. Yep. So I'm looking at homes that were built very well for the time and then i'd see what was done that was were add-ons and they weren't done as well yeah yeah okay <laughs> so you have can 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 we just do a definition oh yeah the word architect yep consists of two words tech means to put things together yep arc arche it's where we get the word arcane or old or more aptly for this word, premier. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yep. Premier of putting things together. Yeah. Or the superior builder or the master builder. Yeah. Is literally what the word architect means. Yep. That's awesome. So in my mind, God is the master builder of the universe. Yep. And in my mind, before the world began, before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the universe, yep. he has this paper put out and he's putting together the plan of redemption. Yeah. And it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit doing it together. Now, that's the way that it works out in my head. Because <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't there. Yep. Yep. But that's kind of how it plays out in my head because that's kind of when I read scripture, that's kind of what it points to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And what an important point in a word that you use there was mapping out redemption. Yeah. Because I, I think it's important to say it wasn't that God in his preexistent, sovereign, eternal reality of who he is drew up a plan for, and in, from eternity past, you know, he doesn't live in time. So it's not like there right. was a time when he didn't have a plan and then all of a sudden he had a plan. Right. His plan from eternity past was not that he would create a world and he had this whole design and then it all got messed up and then he had to sort of come up with an alternate plan, like a plan B. Right. No. No. He had a plan A the entire time, which was always to have his very own son come as the redeemer to redeem it and to display his mercy, his grace, his wrath, his justice, all the things about Absolutely. his attributes in their fullness as he designed all of that from the beginning. Yes. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> that was all part of the plan. Look here. Yeah. In our modern homes, mm -hmm. you have to have a bathroom. 
And in that bathroom, you need a toilet. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if I need to say more than that. <laughs> On what happens in that particular room. Exactly. <laughs> there are vessels for honor as well as dishonor. Uh, yeah, yeah. God yeah. understands this eternally. Yeah, yeah. And that is a part of his plan. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Look, I, I, I've been bouncing this around in my head on... I don't know if people can tell, but I am a melanin-enriched American. (laughs) (laughs) And there are certain things that have happened to us over the course of history. Now, in particular, American history. But one thing that I knew is that black people understand the sovereignty of God. Mm. Because so much bad has happened in our neighborhoods and in our culture. Yeah. But I, I can't say that only for African-Americans mm. because there are a lot of people groups who go through some very devastating things. Yeah. Mm. But the sovereignty of God transcends that skin color. Yeah. Yep. So when we're talking, and I mean, quite not, what I'm getting at is God has a plan for the one who has the objection. Well, why does he allow, why does he allow? Yeah good things to happen to bad people. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it's the typical objection. Yeah. Why, why, why is there murder? Why is there rape? Why do people get trapped underground and die and get buried alive in avalanches and earthquakes? Mm. Why do people get torn apart by sharks? Yep. The, the whole thing, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, if you lean heavily on the sovereignty of God, mm. it's not a washing away or a scapegoat. Yeah. No, yeah. no. It is the explanation of this world being torn apart by sin. Yeah. Our sin. Yep. You you don't get to say that you would have done it better than Adam. No, you would have made the exact same mistake. Yep. That's why in Adam all sin. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we are in our nature sinners. Yep. Safe by grace. I yep. remember hearing a pastor say, I don't want to hear you ever say I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's like, no. <laughs> Be quiet. That's that- a part of the foundation. That's the whole ball game That's right there. That's the whole ball game. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of people saying I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. You do not have my attention anymore, sir. Mm-hmm. I am not listening to you anymore because if we do not have that as the foundation or as a part of the foundation, then yeah. why is why did Jesus come? Yeah. And die for my sin. Yep. If he didn't just not just die for the sins that I do, but the sinner that I am. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You lose you lose that a central feature of the gospel of us needing to be new creations of the actual transformation, your ontology, something about your being, you're an, as our statement of faith says, you're a sinner by nature and by choice. Mm. It's both. Hmm. Say that big word again. <laughs> what was it called? Our statement of faith. No, 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 no. Our that, sinners by nature that, and by that, choice. How do you spell ontology? <laughs> oh, ontology. <laughs> ontology means the nature of your being. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. there's something wrong with me in the inside. That's and that's right. part of what the God I mean, that's that's really the heart of what God is is redeeming in us is not just a good example to follow. He's actually making you a new creation, born again by the spirit to be like fully transformed. You, so, yep. You said it, you said the word that people just gloss over. Yep. He's making you. It's yep. a wonderful architect right there. Isn't it great? Yeah. So if you haven't been able to tell thus far, Stephen is 
in the design and architecting field. Yes. And so that's part of the reason why we're here talking about my design to God's design, because you've got lots to contribute and understanding. I am sorry I did not do a proper (laughs) introduction. I should have have introduced (laughs) you. That was my fault. I just said, we got Steven here. But um, well, let's let's talk. Let me go. Let's go back now. Let's spend maybe like the next uh, part of this episode talking about the very beginning. Okay, We've set the stage on how our culture views my design, like I, I, you do you, I get to map out and architect my own life and I'm going to do that. But here's the problem. You cut yourself off from that sacred order, like God's design. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to, ain't going to go well at the end well. of the day. So if we're going to talk about God's design, we need to go back to the beginning. And we've done this in a previous episode, talking in detail about Genesis, but let's look with a, with a unique eye of God as designer, God as the, the grand architect, mm-hmm. the master builder, as we look at Genesis chapter one. So as we like review a little bit of that, I, I, maybe I'll start the conversation here. One of the things that I love about Genesis chapter one is how deliberate and ordered even the flow of the text is. Mm-hmm. You've got these opening statements of, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There's a sense of it being formless mm-hmm. and empty, and the rest of the chapter, as we've said before on this podcast, is about forming and filling. Mm. And so then you have this repetition of, and God said, and then there was evening, and then there was morning. And God said, and he creates, and then there was evening, and then there was morning yep. the second day. Yep. And it's like, it's practically poetry, but that poetic structure screams order and purpose that God did not make things haphazardly or without some design. It is a grand plan and design that has order and consistency and beauty and purpose. And that's where we need to like we're coming into the reality of what God has done. What strikes you about Genesis chapter one? You know, verse two, mm-hmm. the earth was without form and void. Yeah. Tohu wabohu. Yeah. In the in the in Hebrew. In the yeah. Hebrew. Uh-huh. Yeah. And as soon as you said that, that's what popped in my head. Tohu wabohu. Okay. Ah, yeah. Nice. But all right. So let me let me start with a a another definition. Is well, first off, I'm an architectural designer, I'm not a full blown architect. Yep, um, I didn't go to school for architecture, I actually went to school for um, drafting and design. Mm, yeah. Um, and there are you know, different levels you have your licensed architect, you have your architectural designers, you have your interior designers, you have your drafters, right? Yep, and so some people would say, I'm a drafter, well, then that just means that I draw, <laughs> that's it. I don't think about the design. I don't make any suggestions. I just draw yep. what I'm told to draw. I don't think that's true. <laughs> but I don't I don't do that. I don't do that. Yeah. Because and and in, in a lot of ways I do do that, but because I have input as to what things should be. Yeah. For what is needed, what is wanted, what is desired. Yep. Well, there is a need, want, and desire that you can find because whenever you do architecture and you sit down with a client, you have to find out what their needs, what their wants, their desires are. And I'm saying that there, as you read Genesis chapter one, yeah, you begin to find out what God's need, want, and desire is mm. as he is his own client. Yeah. 
And he is starting to put together this thing. Yep. Right? Yeah. Now, with any good craftsman, there is something that needs to happen after the plan is put together and you start working. There's something that needs to happen first. What do you think that thing is in between putting the plan together and starting to work? And it's something just so simple. You have to turn on the light. Ah, yeah. So yeah. one of the first things that yeah. God creates is he creates light. Yeah, of course. And, the, and in my That's mind, funny. because I have a very active mind, it's like God is like, okay, I got the plan together. Crack my knuckles. All right, time to turn on the light. Let's yep. be like, and there was. Yeah. And then That's the cool. rest, yep. as we say, is history. Yeah. Now, yeah. if we can fast forward just a little bit, yep. say to day six. Mm-hmm. Oh, day six it gets real special real fast. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you have God kind of sort of declaring things be done. And it is. And you get to day six and something special happens where he says, okay, it's time to get my hands dirty. Yep. Let us make man. I was above the mic. Sorry. Let us make man in our image. And yep. it's the only time where it seems as though God slows down. Mm. And in my mind, there is, and I can't be dogmatic about yeah. how it happened because I wasn't there. <laughs> I only know what I have from scripture yep. and then I have some presuppositions and, but it's like God is getting his hands in the dirt Yep, and he's forming this thing mm-hmm. and he's giving it arms and legs and a chest and face and he's making hair. It's made out of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it great? We're dirt people. Yep. Ha-adam. Yep. The Adama. Yeah. It's the dirt. It's the dirt. It's the earth. Okay. Something that I've been tossing, I toss a lot of ideas back and forth in my head. I have time to think on the way home and think on the way, and think on the way to work and think on the way home. Yep. And I'm listening to scripture. I'm listening to sermons. And I'm thinking about how big the earth actually is. Yep. And we have this narrative that the earth is tiny because it is Mm. being compared to other planets in our solar system that are bigger. Yeah. And so it's real easy to get lost in the space and in the enormity of the universe. Yep. So when we read in Genesis, these first few verses it is God is big. Yeah. He yeah. is enormous. Because at this current time we can measure to yeah. the distant reaches of the universe. Yep. But by the power of his word, he spoke it. Yep. So it speaks to God being big, God being powerful. You zoom in to day six. Yep. And it gets real intimate real fast. Yeah, it does. Isn't it great? <laughs> it is. It, it. I'm over here wiggling my legs because it <laughs> is like, it. ooh. You have a being that powerful that can speak and things happen and things are created. And then he takes his time because he's about to impart his image into this thing that he made out of dirt. Yeah, yeah. Isn't and incredible? it just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That. Me too. You have this earth 
that's in this tiny little part of this grand universe. And we go from big to small. And then we zoom down even more. Okay. The earth, and I'm going to take it backwards now. And this is going to be slightly ridiculous. (laughs) The earth is so big that there are people who think it's flat. Yeah. (laughs) Because it looks flat. Because it looks flat. It's so big. (laughs) So we go from the earth earth being so (coughs) tiny because it's in this tiny little corner in the universe to the earth being so big that people think it's flat. Yep. That's because God made earth for man and man for the earth. Yeah. You can go to Mars if you want to. I'll stay here. Mars is barren. Yep. Die there if you want to. I'll live here. Yeah. And here's one thing that I don't do. I try to wean myself off of saying mother nature. Oh, yeah. Nature doesn't have a mother. Mm. Nature doesn't have a father. It is God's creation. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier that terminology matters. Yes. I was reading a book a couple years ago now. And this guy was talking about specifically uh, the natural world. And he just said, be very careful with your terminology. Because if you use some terms like environment or nature or mother nature or whatever, he's like, you essentially washed God out of the equation. Because now you've got uh, sort of this um, this in, this place that doesn't need that ultimate designer and sustainer, not only just the one who made it, but the one who sustains, sustains it moment it. by yes, moment. Absolutely. So we need to be purposeful about using words like creation. Yes, and recover that because when you have a creation, it means you have a creator. Yes. Capital C. Capital C. And what is so beautiful, and I want to tie back to what you just said, as the grand picture of the beautiful, ordered, and contingent reality of the universe. In other words, it doesn't exist on its own. God made it, He designed it, but He has to sustain it Absolutely. moment by moment. Absolutely. Those things go from the grand picture and zoom in on humanity. And these are the words that God says in Genesis 1:26. And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and Mm -hmm. the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over the every living creature that moves along the ground. What's so amazing about that is we are the, like literally just formed out of dirt, right? Mm -hmm. And God though, in his sovereign plan, decided that it's pure grace that he said, I'm going to let you help me. Mm. He didn't have to do that. Nope. He didn't have to do that at all. No, he didn't. And he said, I'm going to let you help me. And what he did is, is the forming in the image of God has a purpose. If you notice the wording there, I just love this. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that. So that. There is a purpose. So the formed in God's image is like hand in glove. We're formed in a particular way in order to be a part of God's rule over the creation. Now, we're not ruling capital R as in we're autonomous. We do it as God's ambassadors. Yes. And that's the key. It's like the the governor. Exactly. He says, okay, I'm going to, you're going to help me out and you're going to have some dominion over this place. But what we do is we don't have dominion for our own benefit. We do it for God's glory. And so then as the rest of the text unfolds, you see chapter two really home in on who are humanity and how did God make us and why did he yep. make us and what rules did he put in place for that stewardship? And it, it describes how uh, God took 
the man, this is Genesis 2.15, to put him in the Garden of Eden, to work it and take care of it. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Those words mean to cultivate and protect. It's actually the same words that are used of the priests in the temple. The same exact terminology. Okay. To act as God's priests to mediate between God and the rest of creation, the reality of who God is and his good rule over the world as we are stewards on his behalf to cultivate, it means to form and shape, and then to protect means to guard and keep. And so we got this absolutely unbelievable divine task, but it's purely by God's grace because he's the real creator designer and we're doing things on his behalf. Yes. That's how it was made to be. You know, there's a little foreshadowing in there. Yes, there is. With with <laughs> <laughs> a lot of foreshadowing. A lot of foreshadowing. And because this is written by Moses, I wholeheartedly believe that through the power working in concert with the Holy Spirit, that yeah. he put those words like that in that order yep. so that the picture of yes. being the priest yep. was there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you've so you got this creation that was created to be a garden sanctuary, mm-hmm. God's presence mediated through his image bearers as we are stewards on his behalf, ruling, but we do it for fruitfulness, and that fruitfulness is not for our own gain, it's for God's glory. And yes. that's how it was all designed to be. So fast forward then, and we're, we're going to take a whole other episode to talk about the whole biblical story. We're just like barely scratching the surface at the moment. Not even. Yeah. But we're going to talk about how does that play out through the rest of the Bible with the entrance of sin and how that gets messed up, but then how God has his plan of redemption and then ultimately ends in the garden city in God's temple across all of creation, right? And we've talked about some of this before. Um, what what I want to show, I guess, and, and maybe land here, is that when we talk about my design to God's design, to recognize that when you when you when you come to this truth and this reality that God is the creator capital C the the, the master builder the designer mm-hmm. it should humble us like nothing else absolutely it should bring us to the point of surrender and humility before him and to say okay if i see like uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring in another dimension the, the things that the the classic kind of uh thinkers have called the 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 transcendentals the the true, the beautiful, and the good. Okay. Those things, like what we see across this place, that we somehow, in our society especially, we start to twist those things and be like, wow, look at what we've done. Yeah. We're tapping into the same biblical theme of like, of Babel, basically. Of like, look at us making a name for ourselves. Yes. We've we've got truth and we figured it out and we made beautiful things. And look at how good everything is that we do. You recognize that what is, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is good is a design by the designer. It's his plan mapped out. It is his plan coming to fruition. And oh my, when we see things that really grab our hearts with what's true, beautiful, and good, yeah. that it should cause us to be humble. Yes. It's just, that's that's what drives me. That's what I want to drive me every day. You could say it taps into common grace. Yeah. 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 And everybody gets it. Yeah. Rains on the just as well as the unjust. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a part of that common grace. We all get to look up at the night sky. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those who don't live in the city, it's much more apparent <laughs> than people who have all of that, what has been coined light pollution. Yeah. And yeah. all that is, is your yeah. light blocking yep. God's nature outside of the earth. Yep. Or God's creation, not nature. Yep. God's there you go. creation there you go. outside of the earth. Yep. 
where he created the stars on day four, mm-hmm. which is seems counterintuitive because you had light before you had the stars. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea about how that happened, but yeah. we don't need to hash that up. But yeah. it's that common grace of the sun shining mm-hmm. and and feeling the radiation. Yep. From I mean, that's why seasonal depression. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because yeah. we don't get that sun and we're cooped up on the inside of buildings for six months out of the year here in Minnesota. Yep, yep. Feeling the earth kind of taking this deep breath in in that first spring rain. Yeah. 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 You walk outside and you go, this feels brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? All the part of common grace, right? Yeah. Even the people who are going through really, really tough times Mm. and find themselves in very difficult positions. Yeah. And I don't want to get too specific because there's some great suffering going on. Yeah. Yeah. And even now and again, every now and again, they too have moments of relief. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I talk about the things that we cannot control. Yeah. You can't control the sun shining. Yep. You can't control the wind blowing. You can't control the stars shining at night. Yep. You may be able to cover them up with smog or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or put a blindfold on someone, but you can't control these things. These things are given to us by God. When he planned that, when he planned that these things were for our benefit. That's why we were made from the earth. We were made, the earth was made for us and we were made from it so that there is a natural tie so that we could be the stewards. There is the enemy of man's soul who doesn't like that. Yep. Yeah. He hates that. (laughs) Yep. He wanted to rule in heaven. He was cast down. He said, this place looks really nice. Maybe I'll rule here. Yeah. Oh, no. Wait, I can't rule here because Yahweh just made the dirt people in charge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's see yeah. how I can mess that up. Yeah, can I trick them? Can I trick them, them into, me? into giving me ownership of it? Yep, yep. That sounds like a, yeah. another temptation that happened much, much later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, maybe we'll land here too. It's, sure. it's uh, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Absolutely that the skies proclaim the work of his hands the day and day after day they pour forth speech i think we've we've shared that on the podcast before but it's there's a there's a sense and I, and i want you all who are listening to this if you're a believer and you're following jesus if you're a part of our church like this is an encouragement if you're listening to this and you are not following the lord jesus christ i want you to hear this there is something that that one of the one of the lies in our society or our culture our day is to somehow think that if I surrender and follow God, that if I believe that there's a designer, that if I come into this reality of there's a creator, that I've got to somehow suspend reality and like believe in a bunch of myths. That's a lie. Because the truth is, the invitation in the gospel of Jesus Christ is to actually enter reality, to live in the real, which is that Jesus is Lord over the whole cosmos and that he is the one preexistent, the Father, Son, and Spirit creating everything designed you, made you on purpose for a purpose. And when you decide, okay, I'm not going to live under my design anymore. I'm going to go and live under God's design, surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness of my sins, and come and be a part of his family. 
you're not, the lie is you're going to somehow suspend reality for that. The truth is that's what's actually real. Mm. And the invitation is join us in reality. Like we're just, we're living in the reality, like the real world. Because God is the master architect. He's made this place. He's made it beautiful and good. He's got a plan. He's going to redeem it ultimately in the new heavens and new earth. You want to be a part of that? You want to join the party? This is reality. (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to say after that. You don't have to say anything after that. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us for uh, this episode 17, talking about my design to God's design here on the Roots and Branches podcast at New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. Happy to have you with us. Stick around. We're going to continue the conversation on God being the grand designer uh, with our next episode. See you then.